So 1 Peter um, verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 1. See if we can get through this. Um, This is my fourth message, and I'm not even through verse 12 yet in the first chapter. This epistle is about persecution. If you just read it, you don't know that. But if you know some history, then you'll understand it. Peter, remember Peter? Denied Christ three times. You're very much like him. Did you all know that? You, do, you deny Christ and don't even know it. Did you know that? See? So, uh, so this is about persecution. Though. Listen to what this passage of Scripture says. Knowing that Peter... Never said he, he, he would die for the Lord and he, he, he denied him. Listen to what Peter has to say, verse 8. Though you have not seen him. I know people that Jesus has appeared to them. Matter of fact, I was in the presence of one of them and they, they said, there's Jesus. And I said, where is he? I can't see him. They saw him, but I did not. Even though you do not see him, you believe in him. Peter saw him and believed. But you have believed in Jesus and never saw him. Isn't that right? Never seen him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexplicable and glorious joy. I, I have memorized that. Inexplicable. 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 Eh, same thing. Inexpressible. That means you can't describe it, right? Now, here's the challenge. And I'm going to walk all over you here. You ready? 
I'm going to ask you, do you live in inexpressible and glorious joy with Jesus Christ? Do you? Yitzy, yitzy, right? Do and I don't. But Peter is writing this to these people who are what? They are the born-again Christians who are exiled and have been scattered all over the world that have come to know Jesus as their Savior. So Peter knows that the, the gospel has been preached to him, and they've heard the truth, and they, even though they didn't, didn't see Jesus like he did, they live in inexpressible and glorious joy. Do you understand... Peter is saying this is the way your faith should be. Your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is not an emotional expression. A lot of churches and a lot of Christians think that you have to have this this emotional emotions that just emote out of you and just, oh, I love Jesus and I love Jesus. It's not talking about it. It's talking about a deep, intimate understanding and relationship with a living God and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. Inexpressible. You cannot understand it. How he died for us, even though we had a problem, and the problem was sin and death. Now, people people in the world do not understand what I just said, and they think that's crazy, and they think we're talking about right and wrong. They think, oh, oh, God doesn't like this, and God doesn't like that, and God hates this, and God... No, 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 that's not what's wrong. You see somebody, and they're dealing with something that's going to lead to destruction. And there's nothing they can do to stop that destruction from happening. Peter understands that. A born-again Christian understands that. And we are unable to express the joy that we have to know that Jesus came to us at our point where sin and death was going to dominate us and take us to hell and separate us from eternity with suffering and punishment for eternity. Now, that's what's going to happen. It has nothing to do with right or wrong. It has to do with a condition that happens when sin and death are dominant in a person's life and undealt with. Now, what does it mean, glorious joy? Inexpressible and glorious joy. Remember, joy... Joy is the knowledge and the assurance... That God is going to allow His Holy Spirit 
to be involved in any set of circumstances that are going on in your life by the power of God's Holy Spirit. That's what joy is. Oh, it's not a giddiness. Oh, I'm so good. I'm so happy. I'm so good. It's not that. It's the knowledge. I've got my personal property taxes due on the 5th. And I don't have the money for it. See? Does that give you joy? <laughs> no, the joy is that even though I have that problem, I know that before I realize that it's happening on the 5th of December, that God is working in me and through me by His Holy Spirit to resolve that issue. That's joy. Wouldn't you like to know that? That's, see, that's money. Well, what if you're in a set of circumstances with a situation with another person and things are so bad that you're in pain about it every day? And no matter what you do and no matter what you say and no matter what you've changed in your life, that suffering continues. No matter how lonely you may be, joy is knowing that Jesus Christ is involved by the power of his Holy Spirit in those sets of circumstances with relationship. And he's going to bring a resolution. Because there's promises involved. That's just, a, it's a promise. I will take all things. I'll work them to, for good to those who love the Lord. That which was meant for evil, I will turn for good, he says. And when you have experienced it, and you should have experienced that joy, when you realize that your sin was taking you to hell, and you were going to live in sin and death for the rest of your life, and then just like that, when you accepted Christ, you no longer are going to live there. You're going to live in heaven. You're going to live in peace. You're going to live in relationship with God. You're going to have eternal life. That's inexpressible joy. And that's where you taste it. That's the first time you drink the water of life and you realize that that which was going to destroy you is gone. Amen? Wow. So that's what that, see, I'm not, I don't know how far we're going to get. He says that the inexpressible and glorious joy, verse 9, for you are receiving the end result of your faith. What does he mean? He means that when you believe in Jesus Christ and he delivers you from this impending danger and you taste eternal life or resolution in your life about any situation, whether it be financially, relationally, work-wise, with raising children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, no matter who or what it is, 
When your faith accepts Christ, Christ will be involved in the rest of your life and you will experience the joy of knowing that. Do you understand that? The salvation of your soul. The result is the salvation. The salvation. What is salvation? The word literally means to be delivered from impending danger. That means that there was something going on in your life that put you in a position of danger, which meant disaster. And that you could not change the disaster at hand. Now, we're taught how to handle and manage things in our life. And we can do it. We can come up with the money for the personal property tax. But we cannot deal with relationships successfully. That's why 50%, 52% of all marriages in the church end up in divorce. Christians do not know how to manage and live in relationships. At least 52% of them don't. And if 52% of marriages are not managed, then the children of those 52% of people have damaged children that do not know how to live in relationships. And then they pass that on. 25% of those children end up leaving the church and never coming back because there is no answer for them on relationships. If, uh, I don't know, did Caleb Cooper leave? He left. He didn't like us anymore. He didn't like us anymore. If you didn't go last night, and that's fine if you didn't, but if you didn't go and hear the testimonies, one of the main themes in that was the inability to live in a home that was Christian and have a healthy lifestyle. That was one of the themes that just automatically came through what people said. Salvation is being delivered from the things that the world wants to give us. The impending danger. Now, since we understand that in salvation we live by faith and we experience this inexplicable and glorious joy, inexpressible and glorious joy, that we live by faith to live in this salvation, we need to understand something. Verse 10 begins to tell us things that we never think about when it comes to salvation. Verse 10 says, concerning this salvation, the prophets. Now, who is a prophet? The, the definition of prophet has been misinterpreted in this church in this age. A prophet is a person who teaches the truth to people so that they may live by that truth and experience the presence of God in their circumstances. It's not procrastination. Now, what's that word? 
prognostication. It's not that. That's not what prophecy is. People would disagree with me, so you might as well know that. But a prophet is a preacher who tells the truth that addresses sin and addresses the answer. Now, these prophets who were teaching these people who were of the elect, that were saved, that were exiled throughout the, the, the Middle East, those people were trying to speak, to speak grace to people who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. So they were talking about, through salvation, there was grace giving you the mercy of God in your life. They searched intently and with great care to try and find out the time and the circumstances before Jesus was ever born. They wanted to know when he was coming because he was the Messiah. Those prophets even know that, knew that when the Messiah was going to come, he was going to do what? Suffer. He was going to die. They did not. Many of them did not understand that in his resurrection, he would bring eternal life. And he would not become the head of the church. They did not understand all that yet. But they did want to find out when he was coming. What's that? He would not, he would set up a kingdom of God. Right. Gee, don't confuse me. He would not become what they had known in the past, which would be a king. Okay. But they wanted to know when he was going to suffer. His suffering on the cross and his death is not to negate, but to envelop our suffering. So as a born-again Christian, we don't say, Jesus, thank you for this broken leg. We say, Lord, in your suffering, you understand suffering, you understand pain, you understand rejection, you, under, you understand all of this that goes on in my life, and because of that, you can manifest the work of your spirit in my life so that I can overcome this and have victory through this pain and suffering, whether you have cancer. He said, by your stripes we are healed. That doesn't mean he heals every disease. It means that he understands suffering of disease. And he can work and walk through you with you through that. He understands rejection in relationships because it was rejected from by all mankind. 
And when you are rejected in a relationship, whether it be a spouse or a child or aunts or uncles, whatever the relationship is or just anybody around you, whether it be parents, he knows what the suffering of rejection is and he will walk you through it by the mercy and grace and eternal life that he brought with him in his resurrection. Yes, amen. Do you understand you don't, we don't realize why we're rejected? Often we don't. People, people will tell you why they reject you, but that's not really the reason. The reason we're rejected is because of the world we live in, the fallenness of it. And the reason he is teaching this to them is because he's going to talk about persecution. And in persecution, you really only have two choices. You either relinquish your faith in Christ and get swallowed up in the world, the flesh, and the devil, or you die. Or you go through suffering until God takes the persecution away. Those are the only, that's all that happens. This is the first time in the decades, in the past, the past 200 years, that Christians in America have experienced the persecution they are now. Now, persecution existed, I know for a fact, in Williamsburg. They have stockades down there. They used to take pastors and put them in the stockades, and they used to abuse them. Because they were Christian, not because they did something wrong. The persecution hasn't reached that level, but we're being persecuted now. And we think it's because they're taking our rights away. Whether they take our rights away or not, we should be able to live in inexpressible, glorious joy, Peter is saying. Does that scare you? It better scare you. Because who likes suffering? Then what should you do? Move to Canada? <laughs> what should you do? You should live in the, the passport that you have that says you're a citizen of, the United, of America, of heaven. Uh, it, it's in the pulpit up here today, not not having a baby. Yeah, great grandparent. <laughs> Inexpressible, glorious joy. We're citizens of heaven. And Peter is saying, "Look, you must live by faith in this relationship with Jesus Christ." so that you can live in the relationship of salvation. Now, verse 12, it was revealed to them, that means these prophets, that they were not serving themselves but you. Do you realize that they were teaching repentance from sin so that we could be prepared 
for the coming of Christ, his death and resurrection, so we can have eternal life. Okay? He did, they were doing it for us, for, for you, for your children, and your children's children. So they, agree, they preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So when Andy shares Christ with an unsaved person, it's not Andy. It's the Holy Spirit sharing Christ to an unsaved person from the truth of heaven. When you share Christ with an unsaved person that you love, and have great need for love, and they have a great need for Christ. It's not you; it is Christ through the Holy Spirit from heaven. So you must understand that and say, "Oh, okay, I'm going to share what I know to be true about Jesus," because what you know to be true about Jesus came from Jesus through the Holy Spirit, according to John chapter 15 to us, and he told us that, so we know that it's true. And whatever you know to be true about Jesus, you need to tell people. And it comes from heaven by the Holy Spirit, straight to their heart through your mouth. We had um, Jesus night. I wanted to compliment Caleb. If you weren't there, you should have been there. It It was good. They had excellent testimony the music was excellent the fellowship was excellent the there were as far as i know just one or two maybe three people who do not know the lord we need to tell people about jesus night i mean buy them buy them a coffee and bring them you know because they're going to hear about who jesus is and what he does for people. I mean there was there was astounding testimonies about what this Jesus did. The suffering, the suffering that these people went through. And the power of God that changed them. I mean the church enjoys those those testimonies, but there are people who need to know it. I don't care if they hate Jesus. Bring them anyhow. I know I've led people the Lord that hated Jesus a year before, and now they're Christians. They just don't know the truth. And it's an absolutely marvelous thing to see Jesus Christ come to a person who has sin and death, and there's nothing they can do about it in their life. And there's nothing, there's no one who can say, hey, I don't have sin and death in my life. There's no one who can say that. You can lie and say, oh, not me, that's not me. That's... I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord and, and I was about a year old in the Lord, I went to my brother and his wife. He was married. I was not married to Jeannie yet. And, and we, uh, I, I told my brother about Jesus. And I told him about me being saved. And, 
and how it changed my life. And you know what my brother says? Oh, I got plenty of time. I'm a young man. That week, him and his wife gave their heart to the Lord. Because they realized, see, God told them they had this problem with sin and death. No matter how, how noble people are, no matter how well off they are, no matter how hard they work, no matter how honorable they are to one another, no matter how much they cherish relationship, you still have the problem with sin and death. And he said, I realized that that I needed to give my heart to the Lord. He did. Now this is wonderful because we come down here to verse the end of verse 12. And there's a statement. Peter is talking about all these things about relationships between God and man. And he comes to this statement so that he can transi- transition into verse 13. And he says, Even angels long to look into these things. They cannot discover or understand the mystery of salvation. And they, they, they cannot understand the mystery of death. Did you know angels aren't just, they can't die? Did you know they're warring angels? But when they go to war, they never die. They're only defeated. Did you know that? They're a created being that will live forever. And that's why it says when Jesus comes back and with his mouth he will defeat the enemy and the angels that rebelled in the beginning of Genesis will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. They will never die. They do not know nor understand what a human being does. They're eternal beings. I didn't say that they are holy. They're eternal. God made them. There are billions of them. Did you know there are billions of angels? There are billions of angels. Did you know there's billions of angels? There are. And they won't even be involved in the fight. Jesus will come and speak. He will end it. I don't know what he's going to say. I can't wait to hear it. Can you? I can't wait. If you don't believe me, you have to read Genesis chapter 19. It tells you how many angels. If you do the math, there are millions and millions of angels. Yeah. No, it's in Revelation 19, babe. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'll I'll correct myself. But it's looked it up. I looked it up today. God, listen. Oh, I'm kind of God, 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 fine. And they they cannot know what we know. They don't have the problem. See, once they're defeated, they're declared unrighteous and evil. Only a third of them were defeated. 
But the rest of them were still considered holy. Angels can't even look at them. Now that takes us to verse 13. I'm not going there, but I want to read it. Therefore, with minds that are alert, alert and full of sober, fully sober, that means you have clarity of, of thought and understanding. So with you have a clear thought and understanding of what you have received by faith in Jesus Christ, then you're going to receive something, and that's what verse 13 goes on and talks about. If you're confused by some of the, your, your relationship with Christ, if you doubt, you need to make it clear. Why? Because you need to understand the joy that is inexpressible and glorious. That no matter what you're going to go through, God's going to take you through it. Because you're going to be persecuted. And the suffering will end in a glorious way. In World War II, we saw it. See, I could go on about that. World War II, Germany killed millions of Jews and Christians. Gassed them and then burnt their bodies. That's what they did. And those people suffered. And you say, well, well what's glorious? They're all in heaven. They had their passport to heaven. The Jews will be taught later. It says it in another portion of Scripture. But the Christians... Christians are all going to be in heaven forever and ever, full of joy, power, authority. It's a utopia, but not like we think a utopia is. It's much more glorious than that. How do I know? It's written right here. If you, if you don't read the Bible and understand it, then you're not going to understand what I'm saying. You just have opinions. Everybody's got opinions. You know that? I have the opinion it's in the ninth chapter of Revelation, but it may not be. We'll find out. Let's stand. Is you going to play for us, Caleb? If you do not know Christ and you would like to be introduced to Jesus, today's a good day. Uh, come and talk to somebody. We'll pray with you. We'll introduce you to Jesus. It's your choice. When the pastor gave me that choice, I wanted to give my heart to the Lord at 17. Father God, Fill us with your Holy Spirit. I just ask that you guide and direct us. Lord, we're going to suffer. If in life or through persecution, we're going to suffer. And when we realize and live in the truth that 
You will never leave us or forsake us. You will take that which is meant for evil and turn it for good. That you will bring us through those areas and times of our life into the victory of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.